Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 200, a year ago at this time, as we were heading into the second week of December, Portugal was getting ready for the World Cup. We were getting ready to play in the quarterfinals against Morocco. If you remember, a lot of people thought that we were the heavy favorite here, even though Morocco had played well to that point. But certainly among the other quarterfinals at the time, a lot of people thought we had a good chance. And unfortunately, we lost uh, by one goal, one nil, uh, Morocco scoring in the 42nd minute, and we were not able to level it. We tried, and that's how it ended for us. So a year ago at this time, our participation this weekend came to an end at the World Cup, and then all the players went back to their respective leagues. And then, if I remember correctly, about two weeks later is when domestic football, club-level football returned. So that was what happened uh, last year at this time. Welcome back, everybody, to a milestone edition, the 200th episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Lots to talk about, reviewing and previewing the Liga bed-click action in Portugal, the second division. A few comments on the European Euro draw last week. Uh, Euro 2024 draw. We, of course, have also European action returns with the Champions League. Uh, three Portuguese clubs with very big matches looking to qualify. Sporting has already qualified in the Europa. Of course, I'll also have a very, very busy uh, section today of uh, manager and player abroad report. A lot of good stuff happened this past week. Uh, Carlos Carvial has a new job. Um, we saw Albo Ferreira win in Brazil again. Um, Marco Silva is doing great things again in the Premier League with uh, Fulham. And then, of course, we'll also have the Big Four report. And then, of course, some great news. My club in Portugal in the fifth uh, tier. Big win this weekend. I'll talk all about it. And then, of course, I will wrap this up at the very end with the uh, mailbag. But first off, let me just kind of uh, review last week's action in the Liga um, last week, of course, the big story, we saw Benfica go up north to play Moreirense, which is having a fantastic season in sixth place. And Benfica came away with a draw. Nobody scored. Nil-nil. The pressure continues to build on Benfica, especially manager Roger Schmidt, who continues to say that the team is in very good condition. But the results say otherwise, especially with this big Champions League match coming up on Tuesday in Austria. But the pressure continues to build. We also saw Braga beat Estoril Praia at home 3-1. We saw Porto go to nearby Familia Kong, recording a 3-0 victory. We saw Vitoria Guimarães, currently in fifth place, go all the way down to the Algarve to play Florence. They recorded a big 2-1 win. We saw Chaves win again, defeating Vizela uh, 2-1. And we also saw a team that's been uh, kind of struggling all year in the last place. Uh, we saw, let me see, Arroca. What a surprising result by Arroca defeating Boavista 4-0. And this was in the Bessa of all places. And somehow Arroca, obviously they have a new manager. Maybe things are starting to change uh, out there. But a big result for Arroca winning 4-0 at Boavista. Your standings as we get through 12 match days. You've got Sporting. Of course, they beat Gil Vicente in the Monday night game 3-1. Sporting in first with 31 points. Mafica in second with 29, Porto in third with 28, Braga in fourth with 26, and then you got Guimarães 
with 22 in fifth place and Moreirens with 21 points. At the very bottom, nothing has really changed. Vizela sits in 17th place with 10 points. Aroca sits last with 9. Shavs is in your playoff position in 16th place. But what's interesting about uh, basically about the clubs down at the uh, bottom is that between 12th and 18th place, like I tweeted out this week, the difference between the 12th place team, Estrela Madura with 12 points, and the last place team, Aroca, with 9, is only 3 points. So at this point in the season, if you get on a bad losing streak, you lose a few matches, you're going to find yourself at the very, very bottom of relegation. So, look, the league at the top, uh, only 5 points separate the 1st through the 5th place. Then you got the bottom six are only separated by three points. It's safe to say that the Liga in Portugal is really having a very, very fantastic uh, season. And it's and obviously, look, we've had a lot of goals scored in stoppage times. We've had our controversy with the red cards. There's always controversy in Portugal. But I would say overall, this is another reason why I hope the Liga does very well selling the TV rights internationally because I think the Liga has a lot of storylines. It has a lot of good results. And as we could see in the standing, there's a lot, a lot of clubs have something to play for, and that only makes the Liga Portugal uh, very exciting. Uh, this weekend, well, next weekend is the big matches, uh, but this weekend, uh, not necessarily a lot. I mean, Benfica under pressure is going to be playing on Friday, the day I drop this episode. They'll be home to Florence, an 1800-hour match. Vizela. We'll be at home to Braga, and obviously these two teams, Braga and Benfica, are playing on a Friday because Tuesday they'll be playing their very important matches, the final group match of the Champions League. Then you have three matches on Saturday, Portimonense and Familia Kong. you got Guimarães. This is probably the best match of match day 13. Guimarães at home to Sporting, the battle of fifth place, uh, taking on first place Sporting. Then you have Porto at home to Casapia, who have a new manager looking put looking. Uh, well, first of all, Porto is looking to bounce back from their very disappointing League Cup loss in the middle of the week. Casapia has a new manager looking to keep things going. Sunday you'll have three more matches: Estrela Madura, Boa Vista, Aroca, Rio Ave, Estrela Praia coming off the big cup win against Porto. They'll be at home to Chaves, and then everything will wrap up on Monday night with Gil Vicente versus Moreirense. So it's been a terrific. Again, start of the uh, season. Uh, second division report last week. The big match last week in Portugal, of course, was the battle, the Derby of the Islands, the Island Derbies, and that was Santa Clara beating Maritimo 2-1. to one. Santa Clara and Nacional, Nacional, of course, from the Madeira. They both are in first place with 26 points each. But what's interesting is after this match, Maritimo basically announced that Dulipa had been dismissed as manager. And they have hired a manager named Fabio Pereira, who had been manager at Oliverance. So Maritimo made a deal with Oliverance to get the manager there. Uh, this manager, Fabio Pereira, has a lot of experience in Madeira, managing various clubs. He's kind of a uh, Madeira manager, and they brought him back to Portugal. And basically what Maritimo is doing is they dropped all the way to seventh place after at one point being in the top two, and they're trying to stop the fall. They're, starting, they're trying to stop the bad momentum that's going on and as a result they made a very quick uh, decision uh, especially after they lost in the Azores uh, 2-1 to one to Santa Clara. Other results last week uh, we saw Lank Villa Verdens get the win of course they're sitting in last place 
with only seven points, but they did beat a very good Ladia team. We saw uh, Academico de Viseu beat Bilanenses. Bilanenses continues to struggle and down in the relegation zone of 17th place. They are having their growing pains. They've uh, Look, it took them a few years to go from the districts to the second division. They did it very fast. But now that they are in the second division, they are having some growing pains, which, quite frankly, is not really much of a surprise. Uh, other things to talk about, Benfica B. Uh, they are in 15th place. They are not having a very good season. Meanwhile, the other big T, B, B team, Football Club do Porto, sit in fourth place with 21 uh, points. Uh, other news this week, uh, Jorge Costa, the manager of AVS. AVS is sitting in third place with 25 points. Uh, one point behind first place Santa Clara Nacional. He's been suspended for 17 days after he was uh, sent off in a match. He had some, uh, well, I won't repeat it, some very tough words for the match referee. And, um, <clears throat> and this was in the match against Benfica B. And uh, he was suspended for 17 days. And uh, he also had a big fine. Um, and as a result, he will not be managing for the next 17 days. But ABS... Uh, formerly Vila Frequente are sitting in third place with 25 points. So you've got Santa Clara Nacional with 26, AVS in third with 25, you got FC Porto B with 21, and no, FC Porto B cannot be promoted. So essentially right now, Turiens, my favorite club in the second division, they are currently fifth place in the table, but fourth place among eligible teams for promotion. They are sitting there in fifth place with 20 points. Last week, Turians suffered a 0-0 draw at home against Le Choinge, but nevertheless, they are having a very good season, and they're in the hunt. They're in the top five uh, in terms of the second division championship, and I think that makes a lot of people uh, very, very, very happy. Uh, action this weekend, uh, it gets going on the day I dropped this on Friday. Ladia, again, will be playing on Friday. They'll be taking on my favorite team that I just told you, Turians from the second division. We then have five matches on Saturday. Passos de Ferreira really need to get their work together. They're in the middle of the pack. Their dreams are to get back to the first division. They'll be playing Penafial. Probably the best match this weekend is FC Porto B versus AVS. Uh, basically, you're looking at the third and fourth place teams battling there. Uh, another good match is Tundela at home to Santa Clara, first place. Um, and uh, pretty much then you have three matches on Sunday with Mafra at home to Academico do Vizel. Belenenses at home to Oliverens, who's now looking for a new manager after their manager left for Meritimu. And then everything wraps up on uh, the last match for the second division on Sunday. Meritimu at home, uh, basically playing the last place team here in the second division, Lank Vila Verdin. So the second division, it's really good at the top. It's very good at the bottom. And then again, much like the first division, there's a lot of good things that are going on there uh, between uh, those uh, teams. Um, and uh, let me also review last week, just very quickly, the Tasa de Liga. We saw Porto, for the second time this season, lose. It's hard to believe, losing to Estoril. Of course, Estoril, as you know, got off to a bad start, dismissed Alvaro Pacheco as manager. He eventually wound up going to manage Vitori Guimarães. Vasco Siabra has taken over for the club. He was at Maritimo last year, couldn't get them to avoid the drop. Uh, I think he might have even been at one point at Turiens, and he managed a few other clubs. But he seems to have found the magic at, at Estoril Praia and Estoril at home. And one of the things about this League Cup is you've only got three teams in the group. 
Estoril Praia had beaten the other team in this group, Le Choinch. So as a result, all Estoril had to do was win or draw to try to force Porto to beat Le Choinch big. But Porto also knew going into this match, if they lost, they would have been eliminated. And again, everybody complains that they don't want this competition. They want to play less matches. And when you only have three teams in a group and four groups, well, you're only playing two group matches. And as a result, Porto does not have a chance to try to continue to battle on in this competition. They are eliminated right away after the first match. They, you know, they won this competition, as you know, last season for the first time. It was always something that people held up against them. They managed to win that competition last time. And uh, unfortunately, they did not win this one. And as a result, Porto is out of this competition. It's the second trophy that they have lost this season after, of course, they also lost the Super Cup uh, back in uh, August. And as a result, they are they are pretty much struggling. And after the game, Sergio Conceição was very frustrated, talked about how he felt he had to maybe start considering the B-team players and the under-19. Uh, David Carmo, who unfortunately I don't like to use this word, uh, but most people are starting to call him a bust, one of the most expensive signings in terms of uh, Portuguese club buying from another Portuguese club. And he, unfortunately, was involved uh, not in the greatest way with those three goals scored by Estoril. And uh, tough times uh, for uh, Porto. Uh, Porto have already something like six losses in 21 matches this season, the worst uh, since the season after José Mourinho left to go to Chelsea. So things have not been very good. But a big result in Estoril. Uh, the second time they have beat Porto this season, they beat them in the Liga uh, a little over a month ago in the Dragon. And by the way, check this out, okay? Next month in January, the round of 16 at Taça de Portugal, who does Porto play? Estoril Praia at Estoril Praia. So things do not get any easier for uh, Porto and Sergio Conceição. And you just got to wonder at this point if uh, perhaps Estoril is living in their minds because uh, now you got to go also play them in the Taça de Portugal. So uh, not a very good result. Porto is eliminated. The other, uh, and by the way, Porto still has to play meaningless because they've got to play it on the 23rd of December against Le Choins to finish group play. Uh, perhaps uh, I'd be curious to see, but usually when you get to those matches, which don't mean nothing, wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of players that don't play and B-team players basically play that match to kind of save the players. That's also two days before Christmas. Um, so they may give some of the seldom-used players a chance uh, to uh, play. Um, European uh, previews this week. Um, it's a massive week for Portuguese clubs. The only club this week that can remain calm is Sporting. Although Sporting, of course, is going to be playing Sturm Grass. They are obviously going to be playing to... Uh, well, first of all, they want to play because, number one, any money you win, any matches you win in Europe is worth some money, although... Obviously, this is not as worth as much as the Champions League. And two, you want to also make sure you have a very positive uh, UEFA club ranking coefficient. Not to mention it's important for the Portugal coefficient as we continue to sit in uh, seventh place. But Sporting, um, basically, they're going to be uh, finishing their group play at home. And this will be a match that will be played on uh, Thursday. And they'll be playing Sturm Grass. And again, Sporting will only be playing. But they're the only teams that have qualified. But on Tuesday... Massive, massive matches. Benfica's got to go to Austria uh, to play uh, Red Bull Salzburg, who already beat Benfica in the first match. They won 2-0 in the Luge. Uh, tough, tough match for Benfica, who has to go there. Uh, can Benfica do it? Of course they can. They have the talent. They have the players. This is the size of this club that can do these things. But RB Salzburg, who I still cannot believe is managed, 
by the manager who last summer was managing the Red Bull New York team. I, I can't believe it. he was. I was never very impressed with him with the Red Bull New York team of Major League Soccer, but uh, now I guess you know, you know why he left. I don't really understand the circumstances, but he's the manager of this team, and and uh, right now he's got Red Bull Salzburg in position uh, for third place. Unless Benfica can beat them by uh, two goals, uh, Benfica will unfortunately be out of Europe. So a dangerous match. And look, there's a lot of pressure on Benfica. There's a lot of pressure on Roger Schmidt. To see Benfica, after finishing last place first in their group, all of a sudden the year after, drop to the very bottom of their group would be an incredible disappointment. And that's not good for Portuguese football ranking. Like I always told you, even though people want the worst of their uh, rivals, that's not really very good. Um, <clears throat> Braga is the other big match. Um, they also have it um, very, very tough. Right now they're sitting in third place in their group. But they've got to go to Napoli. And if they beat Napoli, here's the thing. If they beat Napoli... By two goals, they will finish in second place, and they will advance to the Champions League. Anything else means they will finish in third. But they got to be careful because if they go to Napoli and they lose, and somehow Union Berlin pulls out a win against Real Madrid, they would be out of Europe entirely. So they've got to protect third place, but at the same time, they want to go to Napoli and at the very least get a draw to make sure they stay in Europe in the Europa League or try to pull off what would be... Not necessarily the finest night in their history, but certainly one of their finest nights ever. They need to do what they did to Union Berlin a few matches when they were down 2-0 and they came back in Germany to win 3-2. That's what Braga is going to uh, be needing. And then on Wednesday, Porto also is playing a very big match because of a different set of results. They will be playing at home to Shakhtar Donetsk. Shakhtar beat Barcelona two match days ago. Uh, so it's very simple for Porto. If they get a draw, they're through, and they will finish in second place. But if they lose at home, Shakhtar would drop them to third, and they would have to go then. Porto would then have to drop to third, and they would have to play a playoff against a second-place team that, play, that played in the Champions League. Uh, excuse me, against a second-place team that played in one of the, finished in one of the Europa groups. So it's, uh, it's a lot of uh, goals got to be scored, get the calculators out. Um, they have these three Portuguese teams, uh, Porto, Benfica, and Braga, have to score goals. And uh, they're going to need some of the best performances that they've had so far this season with these current squads uh, to do what they're going to do. And that's going to be a very, very massive uh, challenge for them. But of course, we wish them the best of luck. The European Euro 2024 draw also took place uh, last week. And let me tell you, ever since Roberto Martinez taken manager, if there's one good thing about the Portugal, the Silas song, is that we not only had a very good group that enabled us to go undefeated in group uh, European qualifying, but we now go into, well, let's be honest with you, it could have been a lot worse, but we wound up getting um, what I think is a very, very uh, decent group um, to get uh, the Turkey, who, of course, last time we played Turkey, we played them in the playoffs to qualify for the World Cup. Bruno, if I remember correctly, Bruno Fernandes with the brace. And then we also play, are going to play Czech Republic. And uh, if I remember Czech Republic, uh, not necessarily in the Euro 2024 qualifying, but also before that, the Nations League a tournament, I believe they played in our group. So we're playing two teams that we've already played in the, basically in the last two years. The other third team uh, will come out of the playoff. I believe one of them could possibilities could be, I believe it's Greece. But um, look, it could have been a whole lot worse. It could have been a whole lot worse. And I think if you're fans like us, we have to be very comfortable. I think I also read 
that if we have, if we win the group, that there's a chance we could avoid anybody that won their group all the way until the semifinals before we would play somebody that won their group. So if we win the group, we would essentially be playing teams that finished second in their group. And again, so the road is easy in terms of that it's not going to be easy. It's just certainly going to be a lot easier for Portugal compared to other national teams, the bigger ones. The question is, is will we take advantage of it? Because remember last year at this time, a lot of people thought we were in great shape to play Morocco in advance, and you saw what happened. And every year there's always a surprise team or two in every tournament, and you hope that that team isn't coming out of our group. But um, look, I, I just think at the end of the day it could have been a lot worse this draw, and I think we should be very, very happy with it, and, and uh, that's the way I'm going to look at it. And as you know, Portugal in March will be playing a Euro warm-up, as I call it, against Sweden. And then they're also going to be playing another one during that international break. The Silestone has yet to announce it, but now that they know the teams that are going to be in their group, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to look to play a country similar to these styles. Um, I'm just, I'm, I was kind of thinking, like, who could they play? First of all, are they going to play a very big country? I think that's a possibility. Someone said they thought they might be playing Germany. Uh, but I think you might see them play somebody modest because the teams in this group don't necessarily have a big reputation. Um, you could probably see them playing somebody like in Austria. Uh, you might be able to see them uh, play someone like in Norway. How much fun would that be? Um, those are some of my guesses. But again, we really don't know that yet. We, we obviously, but we don't know yet who's the second team we're going to be playing in the March break uh, for your own warm-ups to get ready for the tournament in Germany in uh, June. International uh, players and managers abroad, uh, man. A lot of news to talk about this week. First of all, congratulations to Albo Ferreira, who won the Brazilian championship with Palmeiras. Albo Ferreira, I remember him when he was managing a Sporting B, and he has come a long way. He's a Braga guy, uh, left Portugal, went to manage in other parts of the world, and now he's in Brazil. And there was a report a few weeks ago that uh, the, one of the Middle Eastern clubs were willing to make him the, most, the highest paid manager in the world. The world is at his feet. The world is at his feet. He's just, everything he's doing is going right. And he's kind of shown himself to be a terrific manager. Very emotional in his press conferences. Um, I got a great mailback question about Alba Ferreira that I'll answer at the end of this episode. But uh, obviously he uh, sticks out. Uh, congratulations to Betu. Uh, maybe he'll get a call up with Portugal in March. We'll see. But Betu, of course, scored his first Premier League goal for Everton. Uh, Big-time goal for Betu, the uh, Portuguese striker. He scored his first goal, also scoring his first goal for his club because he's had to deal with a lot of injuries so far since he joined them. Andre Silva in a Spanish Cup match, Tasa del Rey, uh, scored his debut goal for Real Sociedad. Carlos Corvial, you might remember him, managed Rio Ave, managed Braga. Uh, I think last job he had was he managed in Spain with Celta Vigo. Uh, he is now in Greece managing. I uh, just got hired to manage Olympiacos. So he's back managing one of the uh, bigger clubs in uh, Greece. Uh, special shout out to Vitinha of PSG. He is in a terrific run of form right at the right time. But if I'm Vitinha, let's save that for next June. But he has been a very positive influence right now for Paris Saint-Germain, and he is doing a fantastic job. Other news, uh, and again, just a very busy week. Uh, Carlos Queiroz was managing uh, Qatar, Qatar, and he left after 10 months, so there he goes. Uh, Pedro Caixinha, 
who's also managing in um, in Brazil. Um, of course, Pedro Caixinha is a manager that's managed in Mexico. He managed, I think, Glasgow Rangers in Scotland. Uh, he has managed all over the world. Hasn't managed uh, hardly anything in Portugal, at least that I can remember. But he's managing in Brazil, and uh, he did a nice job. Uh, RB Bragantino finished in sixth place. They're going to be going into the playoffs for the Copa Libertadores. So he has done a very good job in Brazil, taking his modest side to a sixth place. And another manager doing very well is Marco, is, uh, Marco Silva. Uh, uh, this week, Fulham beat up on Nottingham Forest 5-0. Uh, I think something like in their last three matches, lots of scoring by Fulham. Uh, Mar Silva's done this. There have been times with Fulham where they just go on, obviously, when they were in the championship, the second tier there in England, they were scoring a lot of goals. But when he came up to the Premier League, uh, last year he had some bright moments, went through a tough spot then, but uh, managed to have a decent season. And now this year, it um, looks like they're starting to peak at the right time, and they've been doing very, very well. So very busy uh, player abroad report. Of course, we know Cristiano's doing great things. JJ, Jorge Zeus has his team in Saudi Arabia in uh, first place. And uh, those are some of the things that have been going on. Juan Felix is also, it looks like he's getting very comfortable with Barcelona. And again, for players and managers abroad in Portugal, a lot of very good things are starting uh, to uh, happen uh, with these uh, players and managers. Let's go to women's football. Uh, there is no women's football this week because they were just on international break. The women unfortunately lost their two matches last week. They lost at Norway and they lost to France. And unfortunately, they lost five of their six matches in their UEFA Nations League group. This is the first time UEFA is doing it for the women. And as a result, we've now dropped down to the B division. So it's been a terrific year qualifying for the World Cup, playing in the World Cup, almost beating the United States. Uh, women's football domestically growing and growing. And it has been a fantastic year, but unfortunately, the end of the year kind of ends rough. But that should not change the fact that women's football in Portugal, the trajectory of it is up, up, up. And it has been a terrific year for women's football in Portugal. And unfortunately, it did not end the way everybody wanted in the way for Nations League. But it has been uh, overall, though, still going uh, very, very well. Uh, again, there is no football this week. They are, I last, I, last I believe this weekend, uh, I believe this weekend, let me check something out. I can't re they're not playing domestic football. There's no league of football uh, this weekend. I think they might be playing, let me uh, check this out here. Give me a minute here. I think they might be doing, is it cup football this weekend? Uh, let me see, cup football, I, I cannot find it. Here we go, Taça de Portugal. Is this weekend cup football? Uh, for the women. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, it is the third round. It'll be played this weekend. Uh, all the different levels. Benfica is playing Friamund. They're going to make in that trip up north. Boa Vista is also in it, playing Academico do Viseu. Braga is going to be playing at Rio Ave. Sporting is going to be playing um, at Amora. Maybe while Sporting's there, they'll talk to the uh, president of Amora about uh, Genicatamo because that's the uh, Sporting's trying to buy 75% of that player. So they're going to be playing the cl at club. Of course, this is the women's team. So this weekend is the women's uh, domestic uh, cup competition, the third round. Um, that's going to be going on uh, this weekend in uh, women's football. And again, women's football is led in the table in terms of the first division. Uh, Benfica. 
is leading the way in the first division uh, with uh, 21 points. Uh, one other Liga note this week, uh, Morde Dance. Uh, before I get to my Big Four report, Morde Dance announced that they are renewing the contract with their manager, Rui Borges. Uh, Moreirense, of course, sitting in sixth place. Big result at home, getting the nil-nil draw with Benfica. And Moreirense and Rui Borges have renewed until 2026. Uh, Let's go to the Big Four report. Uh, obviously, the big story this week in one of the newspapers that came out, I think it was the record, is that Rafa was in the final year of his contract, apparently, uh, that's it. Uh, they don't believe they can get him to uh, renew. And as a result, it uh, looks like Rafa is on his way out and he'll be leaving on a free. Uh, when Rafa was bought uh, from Braga, I think he was bought for something like, I'm trying to remember, was it like $18 million, which at the time was a record between two clubs in Portuguese football. He's done well, but I think a lot of people expected a lot more for him, especially this season. His drop in form has been very noticeable this season. And as a result, uh, looks like he is going to be on his uh, way out. Looks like an Argentina winger from Estudiantes de la Plata, Rollheiser. Looks like uh, that who's Benfica zeroing on to uh, replace him. Uh, Kochu, the Turkish uh, midfielder, looks like he's going to be back in f and uh, recovered to play a full 90 minutes. The also big story is that Benfica has been in the news. Uh, they're trying to get Pedro Mayeru from Boavista. Uh, they offered $4 million. Boavista won 5 So Boavista playing hardball uh, with them. And the other big news is that Ba, who uh, did very well for them when he's healthy, he is hurt, and it looks like he's going to be out until uh, J uh, January. And again, things are not going very well at Benfica. Look, it's hard to believe with all the controversy, the number one thing that the Liga, uh, the fans and Rikas to worry about is the Liga, and they're only two points behind sporting. So all things considering the domestic, uh, their number one priority, they're only two points behind in second place after 12 match days. It's really not that bad. But certainly some of the negative results in the other competitions signal that you just, you know, you just wonder if Benfica is going to... Uh, you know, continue to struggle. And let's not forget that goal by Jerome Neves in the Derby. Massive, massive goal that might have saved or at least uh, saved Roger Schmidt's job from being uh, demoted or sent out sooner than later. But uh, it kept, I think, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to Roger Schmidt outside of winning uh, the title in uh, Portugal. Uh, sporting, um, first place, 21 points. Obviously, the big story is they've got two or three players that are on the radar of some big clubs. And obviously, you know, once we get into January, there's going to be a lot of talk uh, about the great Swedish striker, about Diomandi. Uh, I mean, there's just going to be a lot of talk, a lot of talk. And I know some sporting fans that get very excited about seeing their players uh, being eyed by big clubs. But whenever you remind them, well, that only means when these players get sold, you're going to have a weaker club. Everyone really understands the reality. But you're happy for these players. Um, and in this case, uh, you know, you're happy for these two. But Sporting, look, Ruben Amarini is doing a good job. He wants to win another Liga title. Some people feel he may be out and look for a bigger opportunity outside of Portugal. But in order for him to do it and feel comfortable, he wants to be able to say that when he came to manage uh, Sporting, that he won two titles with them. That being the domestic, you know, he's won various titles with them. But the two most important ones would be winning the Liga, especially if he can win the second one uh, this season. And right now they're looking pretty good. Qualified for the Europa next stage. They're going to play a third-place team for one of the Champions League groups. They're in first place in the Liga, alive in the, uh, all the cup competitions. 
not bad for sporting, um, especially when you think about a year ago after they sold uh, Juan Paulina and Mateus Nunes, uh, they really struggled last year at this time before the World Cup break. So things have gone a little bit better uh, for them. And Quatsch, Sebastian Quatsch, of course, set the record for foreign players with the most appearances at Sporting with 344 fans. Uh, did a big tifu. And uh, it's been a pretty good thing. A lot of people are very, very excited um, with uh, what he accomplished. And he's obviously one of the bigger names uh, in this current modern generation of uh, Sporting. Uh, Porto, it's been tough. Um, Sergio Concisson continues to struggle. Six losses in 21 matches this season. They're worse since the 2004-05 season. That was when, uh, I think if I remember correctly, they had an Italian manager named Del Neri who didn't work out. I think he was actually fired during the preseason. And then they had various other managers that came in, uh, but it wasn't a great after the season when Mourinho left and went to Chelsea. But uh, Porto, look, they're only three points behind first place. So in the Liga... And all they need to do is draw against Shakhtar, and they're good. But obviously, they've already been eliminated from the League Cup, so that's the one biggest disappointment. But uh, David Carmo is really in a tough spot right now. Uh, all that money spent on him from Braga, and uh, it has not quite uh, worked out. And again, you got to give the kid opportunities. Uh, you probably He's going to probably be playing in that meaningless match against Les Shoins for the League Cup. That doesn't mean anything at this point. But this was a kid who, when he mo got the move, was called up to the Silas song. When he was, if you remember the video, he was crying when he got called up. His family was so happy. But unfortunately, since then, the reality of being at a big club has just been, unfortunately, a different reality for him. And it hasn't been as good as when he was at Braga and everybody was uh, talking him up. And there was a lot of all these accounts that you see on social media. You know who they are. Talk up all these players. A lot of the agents push this. And look how much money Porto spent on this player off a lot of, you know, not, I mean, look, he did okay, but there was a lot of hype. And this is an example of a transfer that just unfortunately has not gone wrong. But hey, Braga was smart. They made big money. Uh, great job to sell them for as much as they did. But so far, when it comes to being at a club like Porto, it has, has not quite uh, worked out. Uh, Braga, well, you know their story. Uh, Simon Banza. Leads the Liga in goals. Ricardo Horta just uh, went on, set a record. I think he's second most um, club appearances for Braga. Everything going right uh, for Braga. They're only five points behind in uh, first place uh, in the Liga. And if they could pull off the miracle and beat not be late by two goals, they will advance to the Champions League. But at the very least, they want to protect third place or qualify for Europa. Or I think they have some opportunities there. But this is a good Braga team. We saw them qualify for the Champions League. They're hanging in there. Um, I just don't see any reason, and too many people should be disappointed. But at some point, when you're five points behind in the Liga, you need to make a big run. And the big match coming up, I think, is with Benfica next week. That is going to be a massive match to try to make a big difference to get into. Because remember, next year, only first place goes directly to the Champions League. At second place, um, you know, don't forget, second place has to qualify so getting into the top two is going to be very, very important next year. Final part of this uh, episode 200, and yes, I've reached the milestone episode of 200. just want to take this opportunity to say thank you. As I always say, whether you listen for 10 minutes or the whole 40, 40 45 minutes, uh, muito obrigado. Thank you so much. Uh, the numbers continue to be solid. Uh, I'm still trying to work through some of my editing problems, so I apologize there. 
but again, it really means a lot to me. I remember my number, the first episode I did was in, well, I was in Portugal on vacation. I was in Porto, uh, my hotel room, my window, I could look outside and see. It was the last day of the Volta de Portugal, the bicycling race, and I'm sitting there watching bikes go through the finish line while I was there with my microphone in my room uh, recording episode number one. That's what, that was my number, that was my first episode. That's a true story. In Iliadus, I stayed in the hotel there. There's a lot of hotels there by the city hall. And I still remember doing that first episode up there on the fourth floor while I had the greatest view of watching, of watching this, uh, the, the last day of the Volta de Portugal. Um, but anyway, thank you so much. And again, if you're listening for the first time, please follow this on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Podcast Attic. I also put up the audio on YouTube. Please give a follow to any of those and a great review or a like. Uh, certainly that, of course, helps. And again, thank you uh, so much. But let me get going talking about one of my favorite subjects, and that is, of course, my favorite club in Portugal, and that is Atletico dos Arcos. Uh, tremendous win last week. They went to, uh, of course, my club, Viano do Cast uh, in the Viano do Castelo uh, Districts region in the first division. Uh, in first place, they went to play second place, Moonsong, at Moonsong, and we recorded a 2-0 win. So right now, we are in first place with a five points. Um, we are in first place by five points. And, and uh, let me see something here. I'm looking here. Uh, by five points over second place. And uh, there is no cup football this weekend. And I have to apologize. I thought actually, uh, no, I'm, I'm actually correct. Moonsong in second place. It's very weird. When I go to week 12, it says Moonsong is in seventh place in this website I use. And then when I go to match day 13, which has yet to be played, it says they're in second place with 26 points. I, I don't understand it. But anyway, big win for Atletico dos Arcos. They have a five-point lead now. Again, only the first-place team advances to the fourth tier. Uh, massive win to go to Moonsong and win 2-0. Uh, and uh, they, there is no uh, football this weekend because they have something what they call a... Um, how can I best describe it? It's called uh, a UEFA Regents Cup. Um, and it's basically a competition where every district in Portugal, every region selects the best players from the district teams, sort of like an all-star team, and they play against other regions for a cup. And uh, we're playing against the region from Vila Real, Braga, and Braganza. And uh, six players from Atletico dos Arcos we're called up to play on this all-star team. Uh, a lot of these matches are going to be playing in Vila Pusas del Guiard uh, in Estadio Portalina. Um, I'm not really sure where that is, but that's where they're going to be uh, playing. But, Viana, but the good news is that Atletico dos Arcos, after 12 match days, have a five-point lead. When they do come back, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, they'll be playing the uh, always tough uh, derby match against a team from across the river, Punta Barca. Punta Barca sits in fourth place with six, uh, uh, with 25 points, so we're six points ahead of them. If we win not uh, next weekend when we play them, we have a chance to bury them in terms of being nine points in front of them as we head into uh, January. And again, I'm going to keep my optimism. I'm going to be very careful with my optimism because last year in January we had a five-point lead, and we lost it. A lot of things happened. The manager eventually left, and before you know it, we wound up only finishing in the second place in what was a very disappointing uh, season. And uh, we've missed out. Um, we missed out a lot of years. Been to the playoffs twice. We've missed out. But anyway, it feels good to know that we have a five-point lead. Still, a lot of matches to be played. 
But I think right now we have to be very, very happy that uh, this is how it's been uh, so far. Let me wrap up this edition, episode 200 with my mailbag. And I got three questions, or I should say two comments, and it's uh, one question uh, this week. First off, for one of my favorite Twitter accounts, back full of Tofi, um, let me just uh, read you to what he had to say. Um, latest pod on Europe, it was always going to be Sporting Atlanta for first spot, but they are at least in Europe after Christmas. Excellent second half from them against Atalanta. Porto in the box seat to get second spot, and they will get the job finished this week against Shakhtar. Braga, just too much for them at the present to go to Napoli. Benfica can only say that they have been one big car crash. It has been an awful campaign. But on the bright side for them, getting Prestiani when he turns 18, if you have not seen him play, the kid is the real deal, has massive potential. Yes, I've been hearing a lot about this kid uh, looking like he'll be coming in along with possibly Pedro Mayeru of Boa Vista. And speaking of Boa Vista, I got a question on YouTube from Dan. Uh, thank you for another very good episode. I'm a bit late to get my questions in, but I would like to ask you about Boa Vista. I watched their match at home to Aroca this weekend, uh, this last weekend on TV, and I cannot believe how bad they played. The conditions were not very good, but I was most surprised by the low crowd attendance. My double question is, is where would you place Boa Vista in the league by club size? And what is your realistic expectation for a club of this size in Portugal? Best wishes, Dan. Dan, thank you so much. Absolutely not too late. Anybody that ever wants to say comments or ask me a question, just make sure you get it to me by Wednesday. And even if you don't, I will always read it the following week after. So thank you, Danny. All right. So um, first off, in terms of club size, obviously we know Benfica Porto Sporting uh, or top three. Vitoria Guimarães, no doubt about it, is the fourth biggest club in Portugal. If Vitoria Guimarães ever gets their fans excited and tries to make a run at the top three. They'll have massive attendances of at least 30,000 regular, by the way. That's not even an exaggeration. Uh, Fifth biggest club, in my opinion, is no doubt uh, Braga. They just don't have the same support as Vitoria Guimarães. But certainly their success, and they do pretty well at home. I mean, they usually draw about eh, 15, sometimes 20. Obviously, they always draw better when the bigger clubs come into town, but they are a big club. And then... In my opinion, and, and, and I say Boa Vista is six because, first off, Boa Vista plays in Porto, okay? Boa Vista is the last club outside of the big three to win a title in Portugal. And when Boa Vista was in their heydays back in the early 2000s, uh, you know, at the beginning of this century, uh, they had decent support, about 10,000 fans. But they've never been a club that has ever attracted big crowds like Guimarães or even Braga. They've always struggled, even in the old days when they had those uh, great years with uh, Jaime Pacheco and they had Petit and Nuno Gomes, players that came through the system and Ricardo as goalkeeper. Um, they were never a big club in terms of fans, but they certainly had big club results. But when you take this club from Porto, and Estadio de Bessa is a fantastic stadium, uh, one of the best restaurants I ever ate was not too far away from Stadio de Bessa. I always go there every time I'm in uh, Porto. Um, but this is a club that is bigger than just about everybody else in Portugal. One could argue that maybe the clubs in the Algarve, such as Feirense uh, and Faro or Portimonense uh, Portimonense and Portimão, those are obviously pretty big areas. Um, but a lot of clubs in Portugal, like Barcelos, Gil Vicente, a nice town. But it's not a town that's probably going to attract 10,000 fans all the time. So I would say your sixth biggest club right now 
in my opinion, uh, I'm just trying to think, you know, no Twistula Madura, no Riwav. Uh, Familia Kong, no, even though they've grown with all the money they've made these last five years, they're not too big. Um, you know, you look at everybody else. Casapia, not really. They don't have uh, very big uh, things. Uh, there's just not a lot of clubs that have the big size uh, to be a Benfica. I just wanted to double check something. I'm looking here at the uh, standings. Um, Moreirense, no. Uh, you know, Estoril, definitely no. Shavs has a following, but a good night is 5,000 fans. Same thing with Vizela and Oroca. Boavista is. Now, what is Boavista capable of? To answer your second question. Well, look, they've already won a title in Portugal. Uh, during a time when Porto, Benfica, and Sporting, uh, you know, several years later were playing in Europe. Uh, major European competitions are going far, as we saw what Porto did. Um, but they are, If the problem with them is they have a lot of money problems. Okay, they basically came up to the first division through the courts, through the tribunals. And um, they are a club that just does it. Now, if they got an investor that poured a ton of money into them, they might be able to start competing the way Braga is because they have that history and they have that size being in uh, Porto. And they will attract a good fan base. But yeah, I mean, I went to a Braga, uh, excuse me, a Boa Vista preseason match where they were playing, I think, Getafe of Spain in, in uh, a cup competition between La Liga. It was only like two or three matches. It didn't even involve the big clubs from Spain or Portugal. But I went and I think there was maybe, maybe 500 people in Bessa. So they are the fifth biggest club because the truth is they do, they're all out of Boa Vista fans, but they just don't really show up. But whenever they do play a big club, they do sell out the stadium or come very close to it. And uh, they are capable of winning because they've already done it. And, and I think personally they did it in a much tougher time um, back in the day when it was cheaper to buy players. And a lot of Portuguese clubs had a lot better players than they did now. But they certainly are not as bad as a lot of the other clubs in Portugal. They are a much bigger club because they do tend to, when they're winning, draw very well. But they don't draw as well as Braga. Definitely not better than uh, Guimarães, in uh, my opinion. Uh, my final uh, question here is from Armando from Portimão. Hello, Armando. Um, he basically asked, uh, terrific season again for Abel Ferreira at Palmeiras. Do you think he will ever return to Portugal to manage the big three? Um, first off, no. A lot of managers, when they leave Portugal, go abroad because the truth is there's just a lot more money to be made abroad. That is just the honest truth. And right now, with as successful as he is, he probably, you know, I mean, I don't know what he wants. There's been, again, there was a story that a club from the Middle East was looking to make him the highest paid manager in the world. I don't know if that's true, but... There's a report out there. I will say that sometimes the reports that come out of the Middle East tend to, do, especially as shocking as they are, especially like when we first heard about Cristiano Ronaldo maybe going to Saudi Arabia, surprise a lot of people. But a lot of those things do come true. Um, but if I'm him, <coughs> I'm trying to get an opportunity either in Spain or in the Premier League and a good club. Not like no middle tier club, no bottom club, a good big club where like just like with Palmeiras when he was managing one of those big clubs, he had the talent to play for a big to get to, to be a big club and to have success. But if he goes to the Premier League and he's, you know, maybe like Marco Silva right now, I mean Fulham is a, a good club, but it's certainly not one of the biggest in, in England. Um, you, you want to go to a big club. You want to go to a big club where you have massive amount of players, a lot of money's being spent. 
But I don't see him going back to Portugal because he's done. The, he's you know obviously he's never managed Sporting uh, Benfica Porto, but he's been there, done that in Portugal, with the other lower levels. And I think for him, he's got some bigger opportunities. And um, you know he he had a falling out with, if I remember, Bruno de Carvalho, which is why he left Sporting B. Uh, he wouldn't go back to Braga. I think that would be a step backwards, with all due respect. But I think he would have a chance to get very close. But no, I don't see him going back to Portugal. I think his route is to go to a big club in Europe. Anyway, folks, I'm going to wrap up episode 200 of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, as always, please take care of yourselves. Please take care of your family. And I'll talk to you next week. Ciao, everybody.